Welcome back to episode 143 of the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Troy. I'm frazzled again, Troy, because the audio <laughs> nightmares continue. We can't ever seem to get this show off the ground, and it's because my stupid brand new computer, which was way nicer than my older computer, but for whatever reason, does not want to cooperate with my microphone. Who knows what's going on? Uninstall them drivers. Well, I was so mad today, and we we're already like so late to record. I'm like frantically just installing stuff. I don't even know what I installed. <laughs> I just installed everything in front of me, and temporarily, it seems to have worked. And so I guess that's nice and will allow us to start our show. So the last time we checked in on the Minnetonka Skippers and the road to the Minnesota State Championship, Troy, you guys had suffered your first defeat of the yep. season. This weekend to the Hill Murray Pioneers, the famed Hill Murray Pioneers. And then I heard you had a rebound or, or, well, you had an opportunity to right the ship last night. How'd that go? Yep. Five to one win. We, we played okay. Still not, still not as good as we could have played, but it was, uh, we, we pretty much dominated. So I guess we're back on a winning streak. That's good. I saw your wife at the rink, your son at a game, I think while your high school game was going on yep. where my daughter had a game immediately following. It was my duty last night to be the scoreboard operator. Nice. Nope. Number one, they don't have any instructions <laughs> on, on how to do anything. So good thing the system there is pretty intuitive. It's kind yeah. of a standard one you see at most arenas. But I'm going to tell you exactly why I hate being the clock operator at hockey games, especially when it's my kid. Because every single time, it does not fail. I know it's going to happen before the game even starts. I get so wrapped up into the game. I yep. forget to start and stop the clock. I'm so good for like screaming at you to start yeah. the clock, start the clock three start to four times clock. per game. And then I get, because I know that I have a problem with it. I get super anxious when there's penalties. It's the last <laughs> thing that you want, you know, one team's going to be really mad when you don't start yeah. the clock on a face off. And my daughter plays center too. And so I'm really in tune to see how she's doing on face offs. Yeah, I probably did it six times last night. I think the game was about <laughs> 12 minutes longer than it was supposed well, to be because I was the uh, clock operator. That's one way that you can get out of that going forward. If they're just like, nah, 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 don't even put him there. You can open the penalty box door. Yeah, that's what I, that's like, remember when uh, your wife wanted you to help do the wedding, wedding thank you notes? And she <laughs> you do one and then she looks at it and you're like, I'll do the rest. I'll, I'll do the yeah. rest of these. Big show today. Yeah, we spent a lot of time putting it together. So hope you hopefully hopefully you guys all like it. One quick note before we get going is a reminder that the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast is a Patreon podcast. That means that we really rely on support from listeners like yourself to help keep this gong show train wreck going. You know, hopefully with better audio. <laughs> Your support is five dollars a month. It's done through Patreon. It helps us cover our expenses, continue to produce more, and hopefully better hockey card content. And to fund initiatives, even in a small way to grow the hockey card hobby. Super easy to support us. All you got to do is go to our website, hockeycardsgongshow.com, and click on the Become a Patron link at the top of the page. Or you can go to the Patreon website directly, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search for Hockey Cards Gong Show. There's a link in YouTube or in the show description of the podcast app you're listening to us on. Or finally, in our Instagram and TikTok profiles, there's a link to our Patreon there. All right, man. A lot to get through. You ready with the game plan? I'm ready. On today's show, we begin with the almost greatest NHL player to wear number 43. Then it's off to our next installment of Rookie Deep Dive. This is followed by Hobby News. We then take a look at the biggest hobby surprises and disappointments so far in this NHL season. 
Then it's off to new product releases and a look at some of our favorite hockey cards in the current PWCC weekly auction. We end the show with personal pickups. Okay, Josh, don't mind that I was halfway done with number 44 when I realized we are not on episode 144. (laughs) We're on 143. So save that for later. And then I'll be. You got a head start. You saved it, I hope. Yeah, I got a head start. Yeah, I did save it. So we are on episode 143. So previously we looked at the greatest NHL player that wore the number that matched our episode number. We ran through all the numbers. So now we are looking at the almost greatest NHL player to wear each number from the runners up in the hockey writers, greatest NHL player to wear each number article. Josh, the almost greatest NHL player to wear number 43 per the nominees in the hockey writers, greatest NHL player to wear each number article and selected by me is Patrice Brisois. All right, Josh. Now this name was throwing me. So for it's a got loop. a silent B in it. It's crazy. It's it's like Breeze Wah. Like so, I had to write it out as Breeze and then R O Y because in my mind that's Patrick Wah. So Breeze yeah. Wah. <laughs> there we go. That's how I, I watched a couple videos online, but it's hard with him. All the videos were in French. Then I finally found an English one <laughs> because a lot of the Canadians' footage was the French uh, TV feeds. But I finally got it. I think I had it right. Someone let me know if I'm wrong. I just got a merch idea. I've got T-shirt on the brain. I'm actually wearing a sample <laughs> of a. Uh, oh, we're getting closer. Merch. We're getting close. Uh, can you see? Can we see? There, there's the helmet. There we go. There we go. The there we go. Um, so I, I have T-shirt ideas on the brain. How do you like this for a T-shirt? The almost greatest hockey card collector. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, your name here. <laughs> That's what you're doing. No idea. All right. The other nominee at number 43 was Nazim Kadri. And to be honest, I could have easily selected Kadri for this segment as he has more career points and the same amount of cups as Brisois, and he is still playing and adding to his statistical totals. However, I lean towards doing a retired player that I didn't know much about, so that is why I selected Patrice Brisois. As a reminder, the greatest to wear number 43 was Martin Baron. I'm sure everyone remembers that one. That was a thrilling episode for Martin Baron. I get choked up just thinking about it, right? Yeah, it's, it's very sentimental. All right, Patrice, Patrice Brisois, defenseman from Montreal, Quebec. Brisois was selected 30th overall in the 1989 NHL entry draft by the Montreal Canadiens. Brisois played in 1,009 regular season NHL games over an 18-season NHL career. Brisois played his first 14 seasons in the NHL with the Montreal Canadiens. He played his next two seasons with the Colorado Avalanche before ending his career with an additional two more seasons with the Canadians. Just couldn't quit him. He had to come back. What's the connection between like French speaking Canada teams and the Avalanche? It's like everybody goes there. <laughs> They'll even go there. I don't know. It's probably just said, or we just remember that. It's uh, one of those things your, your mind remembers a, those guys. He played a thousand games, which is cool. Yeah. Does every I know the wild give people a silver stick? Is that like there the is. standard gift yeah. for everybody in the NHL? I think so. I'm pretty sure I read that okay. that he got a silver stick for getting a thousand. Nice. And it was actually the day he did it, it was overshadowed because I believe Martin Brodeur got like his 551st win or some big number. So it was kind of overshadowed. He might, I wonder now that I think about it, he might not even been recognized at the game, Breeswell. I think they might did it later or i can't remember exactly but i know it i think it happened on the same day as broder setting some record 
They All did right. it at like the, the drive-thru of a Wendy's. <laughs> no kidding. They're like, here, bud, here's your stick. Go have fun. All right. Not a, a lot of awards and accomplishments. He's a one-time Stanley Cup winner, and that's it. No individual stuff. For his career, he had 98 goals, 322 assists for 420 points. Breezewald made the playoffs in 11 of his 18 NHL seasons, compiling nine goals, 23 assists for 32 points in 98 NHL playoff games played. Best season of his NHL career from a point standpoint was his 2005-06 season where Breezewald had 10 goals, 28 assists for 38 points in 80 games played with the Colorado Avalanche. While not a big point-producing machine, Breezewald was mostly a solid defenseman in the league and was a stable on the Canadiens' blue line when playing for Montreal. He also anchored the power play during his time in Montreal. However, near the end of his first stint with the Canadiens, there was definitely some criticism of being a defensive liability, which is never a good thing when you're a defenseman. Nope. As his, and his game, but the reason they were I, the reasons I found reading old newspaper articles and, and Wikipedia, I guess, is that he was kind of shifting his game to more offensive focus. And I guess that caused some liabilities on the defensive end. So Toronto, or Toronto, Montreal gets rid of him. What happens the next season? Then he set his career high points with Colorado that I just read off. So it's kind of interesting there. But again, not, not a big point-producing machine. He's no Kale McCarr. After retiring, Brisois became the Canadian's director of player development in 2012. However, after two years, he resigned from the position to spend more time with his family. He is currently, Josh, our favorite and ambassador for the Montreal Canadiens. In addition, he pivoted to another career, but we will get to that in fun facts. So as always, these guys just end up being ambassadors, collect that paycheck, like this picture, show up and wave, say hi to the fans. Do they really have that much money to throw around, though, these NHL teams? It can't be that. Well, that's why I don't think it's that much money. I mean, it's probably a a nice paycheck, and you got to make a couple appearances, but... It is what it is. Shake some hands, kiss some babies. And- yep, kiss some babies. Yeah. All right. Fun, interesting facts. So his nickname, Breezer. Okay, I get that. But then there was another one. This was on Hockey Reference. It said Breeze By. And I was trying to think, is that what they called him after he became a defensive liability? <laughs> is that they just breeze by him? I don't know. I couldn't find any context for that nickname. And maybe I'm just totally missing what that's supposed to mean. But it was B-R-E-E-Z-E-B-Y is how they listed it. So I hope someone can tell me or, or message us and let me know. All right. Breezewaugh is ranked fourth all-time for the Montreal Canadiens in games played for a defenseman. Now, here's where I was alluded to before with this kind of career pivot. So he's retired. I think – no, I can't remember he retired. When did I say he retired? Whatever. In 2002, Breezewaugh bought his first race car, a Ferrari 360 Challenge, and learned to drive it on Circuit Mont Tremblant. Two years later, he raced for the first time on Circuit. Oh, why do I do these French names? <laughs> Is it Giles or Gillies Villeneuve? Vene- Wait, hold on, Stephen Veilleux. So I'm going to say Villeneuve. In the Ferrari Challenge, a support race for the Canadian Grand Prix. Okay, I got to give you credit here because I would have looked at that sentence and thought, <laughs> I'm going to go a different direction in fun facts. But, you know, you are either a, you've got just cojones of steel or you're a man who loves punishment. Because well, we had some very French names. 
when you get to rookie deep dive, one of my all-time favorite Discord comments is I'll, I'm going to mention it in rookie deep dive. All right, after retiring, Breezewah decided to buy a NASCAR Canada car and race in two NASCAR Canada races in August 2009. Breezewah entered the NASCAR Canadian Tire Series 2009 GP3R100. I have no clue about racing. At circuit, oh boy. Let's go with Trace Rivieres or Trois Trois Rivieres. Well, Trace for Rivieres would be the Mexican way to say it. I think it's, <laughs> whatever the whatever the French pronunciation. T R O I S. I'm say Trois. It's got to be three rivers, rivers right? I three probably swear. I'm probably swearing like constantly in <laughs> French, and I don't know it. You're insulting everybody's mother right now, and you don't know it. And however, he pulled out before the end due to heat exhaustion. Breezewall qualified in 15th for the Napa Auto Pro 100 at, I'm not even going to say it again, some circuit, a support race for the NASCAR Nationwide Series Napa Auto Parts 200. He finished in 12th place. And then I kept looking down this racing rabbit hole. It looks like he was involved in the NASCAR Canadian Tire Series until 2015. And very interesting, found actually a fairly recent article on it in, I think, the Montreal Gazette from like four years ago. And he kind of said when he was a 15 or 16 year old, he thought he would be a race car driver. So he kind of did the, I'll play hockey, get some money. And then I'm going to go the race card route. And I don't know if he's still doing racing. I couldn't find anything yeah. that says he's still in it, but he gave it a shot. If he, if he's out, he's out, but good for him. All right, Josh, his rookie card. We know where this is going. Everyone knows where this is going. The 1990, 91 upper deck, number 454. It's one of our favorite world junior champion card. That's his rookie card. PSA 10 has a pop of two with a gem rate of 67%. So everyone do the math. I couldn't find any sales of this one. However, there's actually a French variation that has more copies graded at PSA with five graded copies and four of those being PSA 10s. I found an eBay, an eBay sale of the French variation Verified in therapy for 70 US dollars on November 2nd of 2022. There was a verified sale on eBay of this card in a PSA 10 grade on September 10th of this year. However, when you read the description, it, the seller clearly states the slab's in very poor shape, which it was. It was kind of cracked. So yeah. it sold for like five bucks because you never know if it's someone just threw a new card in there or what. But so if you if you go searching for this and you see that sale, that know that it was bad slab. But there we go. Very interesting to learn about him. I love the little racing tidbit about him, even though I know nothing about racing. Good read. Is every racetrack in Canada French? <laughs> I'm guessing you just stuck around the Quebec. Yeah, probably. You're right. Okay, Troy, it's time for another edition of Rookie Deep Dive, where we dig right. in deep and learn about rookies that are making an impact this season in the NHL. We've been picking candidates from the top rookie scoring leaderboard and presenting our four options via an Instagram poll for listeners of the show to pick the rookie we should deep dive this week. And you want to get to the now's probably a good time because I think I know the comment you're talking about. Oh my Discord. Oh yeah. So the well, yeah, the the comment in Discord was we have a we have a candidate or a candidate that's been on the poll for a while. You'll get to that. Yeah. And He's making a campaign for it. And then someone wrote in. I, I didn't, I, I know who it is, but I don't want to say their name. I didn't say they could, or I didn't ask permission to post their comment or say it. But they said, 
it was about the voting. And he goes, I just vote for the name that will be the hardest to say. <laughs> and I just, I laugh so hard at that because it's kind of true. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it's fun at our expense, of course, but it is fun. <laughs> I'm assuming he's not the only person that does it. Too. Oh, no, I'm sure. <laughs> they want to see this goat rodeo continue. <laughs> Okay, so before we get to this week's candidates, we're going to do a quick review of the 2023-24 rookies we've covered so far. We've done Matthew Nyes, Luke Hughes, Devin Levi, Matthew Coronado, Dustin Wolf, Ridley Gregg, Marco Rossi, Matthew Potois, Pavel Minchukov, Brant Clark, and Brock Faber. Now, here's this week. Well, so this week, we presented four candidates via the yeah. Instagram poll. Those were Luke Evangelista, Dmitry Voronkov, Kevin Korchinski and Bobby Brink. Okay. So, all right, Troy, now all's fair and love war and politics, right? <laughs> yep. We've been leaving Bobby Brink on the list for a number of weeks now, mainly because, well, first of all, he's currently in eighth place for most points by a rookie, yep. so he deserves to be on the list. But more importantly, it's driving our good buddy Neil, otherwise known as Irish Fires <laughs> Collector, completely nuts that he can't. He, he comes in second place like every week, and so I'm not sure if us mentioning this whole thing will ultimately help Neil's campaign to get Bobby Brink <laughs> actually into the rookie deep dive seat, or it's just going to prolong it. But Neil got so, I guess, fed up that in our discord, he started a, a vocal campaign to make Bobby Brink the rookie deep dive candidate this week. So now the key question, of course, is did it work? And of course, of course. the answer is no. So here's the deal. He's got to do this. So he's got to put another one in there, but cross out the three and write a four. I just keep crossing <laughs> it out until he finally gets the right episode number. Until we give up right. on the bit. Yeah. Poll All, right, so you, All right. We're going to go to the poll results. So Bobby Brink was second again. In fourth place, though, is Dmitry Voronkov with 10% of the votes. Now he's like really high up in the rookie score. Yeah, so he's I, like going crazy. And nobody cares. And <laughs> then you had Kevin Korczynski at 19%. Bobby Brink at 32%, and then this week's Rookie Deep Dive winners, Luke Evangelista at 38%. So there we go. Maybe next time, Neil, your guy Bobby Brink <laughs> will we'll make it. Of course, Bobby is an alumni of Minnetonka High School, where you coach yeah. uh, high school hockey track. But yes. again, this week is all about Evangelista. Now, the key question, Troy, is which one? Of course. <laughs> yeah. If this weren't such a family show, we might be tempted to chronicle the other the career of supermodel linda evangelista yeah who just happens to be luke's second cousin how many famous second cousins do you have Troy? i don't have a famous second cousin but i have a famous cousin down the line jeff hostetler what a super bowl as quarterback for the new york giants i'm related to him way down the family tree so it's far down i want to i, mean, I want you to grow a mustache <laughs> and prove it yeah well i haven't shaved for a while so i got my gray beard going i guess so again Bobby's or Luke's Luke's second cousin is supermodel Linda Evangelista. His other second right there. Right. Uh, very fetching. I don't even, I don't, you know, I know supermodels obviously, but I don't remember her a lot. I remember like the Cindy Crawford's, the, what was her name? Helena Christensen, I think. And then like, uh, not Kate Moss. What was the other one? Uh, now Ellie McPherson, all that. I didn't, I don't Claudia remember. Schiffer. Yeah. Claudia Schiffer, all those ones, but who's the guest was, scenes one, right? Stephanie Seymour. Are we just going to keep naming off <laughs> supermodels? Amanda Hugginkiss. No. Um, <laughs> well, he's got another famous second cousin, too. Brennan yeah, Shannon. Look at this. Or, yeah, that's interesting. Gosh, what kind of- so you're saying his gene pool is good looks and <laughs> hockey ability. I guess. 
We should move on, though, because, of course, this is not an episode of the Luke Evangelista family tree, Troy. We need yeah. to know more about Luke so we can go ahead and overpay for his rookie cards and young guns. <laughs> That's what we do as collectors. Luke Evangelista is a six-foot, 183-pound forward of the national for the Nationalville Predators. He was the second-round pick, 42nd overall in the 2020 NHL entry draft. Evangelista played his draft year in the OHL with the London Knights, scoring 23 goals adding 38 assists for 61 points in 62 games played. Following the cancellation of the 2020-21 junior season due to COVID, Evangelista signed a three-year entry-level contract with the Predators. The scouting report on Evangelista from Last Word on Sports was this, is that Evangelista could become a top-six winger capable of providing value at both ends of the ice. He plays the type of smart and mature game that coaches will love. He also brings a high-end work ethic to the table. Evangelista likely needs another couple of years of development and increasing his frame in the OHL. And there's no better place for him to get that than with London. His game is reminiscent of Mark Stone, but his stylistic comparison only and not one based on skill or ability. What does that mean? So I'm saying that just that line right there, he's out for the hobby. Hobby don't want no Mark Stone. Mark Stone get zero love. Stylistic only and not one based on skill or ability. So how he skates and looks on the ice, he looks like a big Mark Stone. <laughs> I should have been a know. scout and just like babbled incessantly. Just make up stuff. So in 2021-22, he went back to juniors, scored 55 goals, added 56 Jeez. assists for 111 points in 62 <laughs> games played. Back again with the London Knights. I think he might have led the league in goals that okay. year, the OHL at least. And he finished his junior's career averaging 0.63 goals per game and 1.9, 1.39 points per game. So that's the type of pedigree we like to see, uh, for sure. Last season, then, Troy, he started with the Milwaukee Admirals in the AHL. I never knew Milwaukee had a oh, yeah. AHL team. Yep. They have uh, AHL. I know they they used to have a United States Hockey League. I can't remember what that's called now, if it's the same or, or not. Does it surprise you a little bit that there's no NHL team in Wisconsin, uh, maybe a tad, but you're. T- I mean, if you go to Milwaukee, you're right next to Chicago, and so Chicago would fight it because you're going to take away their market share. The and Twin if you come cities. towards, yeah, you come to the yeah. west, you're too close to the Twin Cities. So I kind of like it. College, you got Wisconsin Badgers are huge. They get sellouts. They have an awesome rink. So Evangelista made his NHL deb- debut on February twenty eighth, twenty twenty three of this year. Played the final two games last season, scoring seven goals, adding eight assists for 15 points. Not bad for in 24 games. Then this season, Evangelista, Evangelista started with the Predators making the team out of camp. So he's been playing right wing on the Preds' second line and has got some power play time on the second unit as well. He's currently six on the Predators in points and 10th in goals scored. Uh, so doing pretty good. Uh, and Evangelista is a 2023-24 Series 1 Young Guns. Uh, right now, his raw Young Guns averaging in the 4 to $5 range. Not a real big chase. No. But again, maybe a guy you want to watch given his goal-scoring pedigree and decent start again to this season. In Look at your Nashville. screen there. I have one. I have one. <laughs> I was showing it. You have one right there. I have one right here. Have you seen him play at all? I have not, and I was just looking something up quick when I said USHL team. I should have remembered this. That's the Green Bay Gamblers I was thinking of. Oh, the other. So they have the AHL team in Milwaukee, and then yeah. 
and then a USHL team in Green Bay. Yeah. So yeah. And of course they've got the team in Madison. And then I actually forgot to mention this too. I don't know what I was thinking, but so the season so far in 28 games played, Evangelista has four goals, 10 assists for 14 points. So half a point per game for Calder eligible rookie. Again, not bad. And nope. boy, the Predators could use uh, like a hobby chaser too. I mean, there's so many teams right now that just have kind of nobody. <laughs> I would say, I guess after Pekka left, it's just all downhill, right? Pekka Rene. <laughs> well, we're going to have more on Pekka later, Troy. What? When? Where? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Don't, don't I'm excited now. Now, now. I'll stick around for the end of the show now. <laughs> you actually <laughs> want to do the show now. All right. Before we move on to hobby news, got to make a quick mention for Gong Show Partner Slab Sharks. Uh, they're a sponsor of our show. We're very grateful to them for their support. The current Slab Sharks weekly eBay auction ends tonight, Troy. It's over 1,500 cards in the auction. So be sure to head to slabsharks.com for a link to the auction. Place your bids. It's the last auction before slab sharks is going to go on a holiday break there won't oh. be any auctions between december 14th which is today and january 3rd but though important to know during the break they will still be accepting cards so be sure to keep sending them in i'm sure that the first auction in january is going <laughs> yeah. to be a monster then if there's five thousand cards or whatever i don't know how I many yeah it'll be <laughs> nuts i'm sure and then also, if you're a Canadian hockey cards collector, Troy and I would strongly recommend considering Slab Sharks for their eBay consignment services. They make it very easy to sell your cards on eBay because, well, they just do everything for you. Yep. They take great photos, list all the cards, answer buyer questions, hunt down payments, ship to winners in both the U.S. and Canada. You don't have to figure out international shipping, which is always a nightmare. And most importantly, they handle any post-sale issues. And then also, it's important to know, 98% payout rate. Through next June on any Connor Bedard cards, which is all sorts of amazing. And you can see it already. Their their auctions are literally yeah. <laughs> every it's the basically the cheapest way to sell one, right? Yeah. Uh, for complete consignment information to get started consigning your cards today with Slab Sharks, head to slabsharks.com. Hobby news. Hobby news, let's do it. We got lots of lots of good hobby news. Yeah, lots of good stuff. So the winter classic is quickly approaching. Yep. We've already seen a preview of the jerseys for Vegas Golden Knights and Seattle Kraken. We also have some helmet yeah. painting that are debuted and one that ties into sports cards. So yep. Joey is a decord or decor. Sure. <laughs> that one. <laughs> yes. One of the two. It's probably <laughs> yes. neither. So he's a backup goalie, Troy, for your Seattle Kraken, who I think we both agreed kind of, well, both uniforms are good. For the Winter Classic, but we give the edge to Seattle a little bit, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, the Kraken will play the Golden Knights in the Winter Classic on January 1st. And as we've seen, the teams tend to go all out with these one-of-a-kind uniforms, which includes Goldie Helmets and Dakar Decord, whoever it is, did something completely awesome in an homage, Troy, to Seattle's sports legacy. He had a number of the Mariner of Mariner's baseball cards painted on his helmet. And he did both like past and legendary players and then some current Mariners yep. as well. So on one side of the helmet, you've got the classic 1989 upper deck Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. There's a 2001's top each row rookie card. Do you remember what year Fleer that is that 89 Fleer that the, the Edgar Martinez? Uh, yeah, or it's either 90 or 91. I could probably actually. Oh, I think it's in the 80s. Is it 80? I might have one. I want to say I want to say it's 
I got it. I know exactly what it will be. It's a going. This is crazy. I can't believe a I white flare. It's uh, an eighty-eight. Here you go. Here's a Ken Herbeck. <laughs> so it's an eighty-eight. That was fast. How did you do that? I'm I'm still trying to. I'm still at the very tail end of sorting cards, and I have a large stack of Ken Herbeck cards. I have to, I have to put away. Okay. And then on the other side of the helmet, like I mentioned, she has current players. So he has a. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh, J.P. Crawford. What an awesome idea and very cool. And if you're in the sports card hobby to see something like this, huh? Absolutely fantastic. Of course, my mind goes and, and waits for the impending lawsuit by Tops because he has <laughs> Tops cards on his helmet and it's not approved or something because the NHL has the license and these aren't Tops, what, stickers? Actually, it's a Tops now. Oh, no, there's Tops Chrome and stuff on there. But it's a I baseball hope, card, so... Yeah, I hope that... they don't. I just always think the worst, but I love this helmet. I absolutely, it's such a great idea. I wish, too, that maybe the other goalie kind of took this also, but did... There's been a lot of former pro Seattle teams. No NHL teams, but they have a long history of pro oh. hockey in Seattle. I, I think back to the 20s, there's been Seattle hockey. And I would love it if they did maybe not cards, but maybe emblem or symbol or uh, logos from those past teams. I think that would be cool too. Well, I think when we were talking about the jerseys, there's the the red S, yeah, Kraken in the middle of it, and I believe that that was a tribute to was it the Seattle Metropolitans? Was that who the team was that was the first U.S. team to win the Stanley Cup? That sounds right. If I but know our I, own show, then I, I'm <laughs> correct, I, I can't remember. I'm not going to say that's right, but they, there's definitely a team called the Seattle Metropolitans. I'm looking it up. They back to 1915. They started. Wow. Long time ago. So pretty awesome. Love the, of course, sports cards theme yeah. to the helmet. What do you think happens to a helmet like this after the game? Does it go to the hall of fame yeah. or does it get auctioned off or what happens? It's a great question. I would do everything in my darndest to keep it if I was the goalie, because this is such a cool piece. But you want to make a ton of money for a charity, auction this bad boy. You'll get lots of money for it. Maybe Griff would buy it. Yeah, maybe. Okay, we're going to finish hobby news. We got kind of three quick hitters. First story, not a great one. Kind of sucks. But uh, Blues coach and Stanley Cup winner Craig Berube was uh, fired by the St. Louis Blues. It seems like the new strategy, Troy, to jumpstart your alien team is <laughs> 86 your coach. Yep. I, unfortunately, it's kind of working. Right? Yes. It's uh, worked for the Oilers and they got rid of Jerry Woodcroft. The Wild uh, let Dean Evison go and now are five and two since. And so now yep. the Blues have fired Stanley Cup winning coach Craig Berube after losing 6 4 to the Red Wings on Tuesday night. It was the Bruins' fourth loss in a row, sixth loss in eight games. They're now 13 14 and one on the season. I don't know, maybe it'll put a little juice in the team's batteries and get these guys producing another one of these teams where kind of like we just talked about Nashville with Luke Evangelista, where there's not really any big hobby chases right now. Yeah. I mean, with the blues, it's just, you get that losing streak and you just can't have those. And I don't think in today's NHL, cause they're not, I mean, they're 500. I get it, but I don't know how long did you say, I don't know how long he's been there, but he'll find another job. The NHL is, notorious for just recycling these coaches they might be out a year or two or he might go to tv but he'll be back he took over for our guy mike yo oh really so he's he's been there a little bit i think he came in 2019 and won the cup right away yeah 
Was that the That's kind of stink for a guy like Mike Yo to get fired and then the new guy comes in and wins the Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah, wins the Cup. <laughs> well, Troy, I know you're excited about Pecorine, but I think you're going to be even more excited about this next story. Oh, jeez. So the 2024 NHL Stadium Series takes place this year in New Jersey on February 17th. We'll feature the Philadelphia Flyers taking on the New Jersey Devils. So is the Stadium Series just like the sequel to the Winter Classic? I'm I'm still a little confused of what it is. I think the Winter Classic is always on January yeah. first, right? And so it's just a, another another outdoor game in the year. That's the, yeah, the and it all started. And then there's also the Heritage Classic, which is the Canadian one. And oh. I can't remember exactly the sequence of events that led it. I think I think the Heritage Classic might have been the first, and then they did this Winter Classic. Like this is successful. And now they kind of do the stadium series when it's kind of an gotcha. offshoot. I think. I don't know. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But So anyways, right, there's a major, major announcement. The Jonas <laughs> Brothers. Oh, boy. Will be playing a concert during pregame festivities. Now, in all seriousness, the NHL has to find some <laughs> way to get the three Jonas Brothers together with the three Hughes Brothers. And do like some sort of competition, like maybe the Hughes <laughs> brothers take slap shots at the faces of the Jonas brothers or something like that. I don't no, know. Reg- I loved your. I was gonna say something, then I saw your next note. And of <laughs> course, yeah, Jack, Jack Quinn can officiate. <laughs> Jack the Quinn, just to get him involved, we will never. Just to get him. We will beat that horse into the ground. We will never give oh, yeah. that one up. So, Troy, on a scale of one to <laughs> eleven billion, how excited are you for the Jonas brothers and Stadium Series collab? Negative eleven billion. I'm going the full other way. Is that is that who is that the best we can get? Really, NHL? I I get it. Like Super Bowl, NHL, all these pe- things that do these big halftime shows, they gotta go. They always go the pop yeah. route. They always go with some you know kind of popcorn music because they that has the most fan base. But I can't believe an NHL fan base is gonna be all pumped to watch the Jonas Brothers. But I guess we'll see. The NFL gets Beyonce, and the NHL gets. The Jonas I mean, to be honest. Justin Bieber has more hockey relevance than the oh, yeah. Jonas Brothers, right? I mean, maybe the Jonas Brothers are big hockey fans, and I just don't know. But All right, getting back to actually hobby for our last kind of computer <laughs> here. So Austin Matthews, first NHL player to reach 20 goals for the 2023-24 no. NHL season, but was quickly joined by Burnsville, Minnesota's own Brock Besser. Now AM34 and Besser both have 21 goals to lead the NHL. Uh, to this point in the season pretty cool i think it's safe to say troy that matthews is healthy again yeah maybe regained some of that scoring touch he's got 21 goals 11 assists for 32 points in 26 games played so troy his goals pace right now is 66 for the season that's awesome i hope he hits it because that after that season last year i just a lot of doubt a lot of doubt but he's back baby it's good when stars are playing well yeah, and we're going to get a little bit into that quickly in surprises and disappointments because it really stinks when they're not. Yeah. Matthews is a 2016 Young Guns PSA 10 pop 3,257, just a 70% gem rate. That <laughs> uh, sold for $831 on December 12th. It's flat over the past couple of weeks, Troy, but it is up 19% in the past six months. So it is, it had gotten pretty low. I want to, like, in the yeah, Our, but it's still 500s. That pop count just bleh. so that's hobby news. All right, I just kind of referenced it. So we're about, I think we're a little more than a third of the way through the season now, which is yeah, cool. sounds right. We're also so I as a result, we're starting to get a sense of what teams are looking like Stanley Cup contenders. Not our team, shock. 
and others that already look like they might miss the playoffs. Well, ding, 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 go mm-hmm. out there. We're also far enough into the season, Troy, where I think it's the kind of like it's early disclaimer that we used a lot yep. over the last couple <laughs> months is sort of over now, yeah. right? And losing its impact. Not that there's not plenty of games left. I think there's 50 or so or more for each team. But we're starting to get a strong sense for how the season might play out for key hobby players and the hobby impact that it's having. And I guess that their play is having. So we picked out our three biggest hobby surprises to this point, And then our three biggest disappointments and we're positive people, right? We'll yeah, start on the positive side with our three biggest surprises going the Homer route for, for number one, <laughs> our guy, Marco Rossi. Yeah. Talk a little bit about him in recent weeks and coming into a season where we have really one of the most anticipated rookie classes in a long, long time with the likes of Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Logan Cooley, Carlson, Matthew Nyes, Luke Hughes. I'm not sure too many people pegged Marco Rossi, Troy, to be second as of right now in rookie goals with nine and tied for second with points at this point as well. But he is. And that's really, really good news, of course, for us Minnesota Wild fans, because not much else has been going right so far for us this season. And we, we've spent, I, like I said, we've talked about him in recent weeks. We spent a lot of time going through his backstory, and we just did a rookie deep dive not too long ago. So we're not going to be repetitive. But his path at this point has not been easy. He's had to deal, deal, deal with a lot of the inconveniences of kind of coming up through the pandemic like every other prospect that we hear about a lot of these guys that were drafted in 2020, especially and how that kind of derailed his development for a year. Yeah. Then he got COVID. Then he had long COVID, which really derailed his development. Yeah. And I think he missed almost a year of hockey finally comes back last year, has a disastrous 19 game start to the season with the wild produced a single assist and then was sent down to the Iowa wild in the AHL. But now, thankfully, this season seems to be realizing that talent and upside our team has really been banking on, and they need center help in a, in a big way. So, so far in 2023-24, Rossi has contributed nine goals, seven assists for 16 points in 26 games played. Puts him on pace, Troy, for 28 goals and 50 points, which I think we would have all taken to you know coming into the year. He's now centering the Wild's top line with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. And seeing time on the power play unit as well, giving him some real good scoring opportunities. And when looking at the hobby, so he was he was not even a young gun this year, he was a young guns last year. And with good buddy, good hobby buddy, Matt Boldy, yep. teammate. But then again, he got after that really bad start and spent most of the year in the AHL. And so that kind of tanked any hobby momentum. Remember, coming into the series one last year, it was sort of the Boldy Rossi. They were pumping that quite a bit uh, i think they were the checklist too right yep. yep for series one so yeah it just uh it just didn't work out and then i think that's the tricky part with all these guys and you know there's a ton of them even ones we won't talk about today like slavkovsky or some of them where it's like on one hand they're super young and they've got in theory a lot of hockey in front of them but when you have one point in 19 games it's hard to conceive how you're going to come back and make a major impact from that point too. Um, and I suppose that's part of the whole why prospecting is such a low 
hit proposition, right? Is that so few of these guys ever really click? Yeah, and it didn't look last year. He was brutal. I remember watching him going, "Oh man!" But this year, it's a whole different picture. He's out there, right position, looking good, going fast. Making. I love it that he's on the first line because it just hopefully it gives Kaprizov someone else <laughs> to to catch his passes and score. Zuccarello's been fine. But again, Zuccarello's getting up there in age, and but he's best friends with uh, Kaprizov, so they don't want to really move him yet. I think Zuki is on his highest point pace for his career yeah. too. So I mean, yeah. he's getting a lot of apples, I guess. I mean, Zuccarello never scores that many goals, but yeah, you're right. Having a player that has speed yeah. is so critical. And last year was not good with the Ryan Hartman Sam Steele combination for yeah. center for the while. So last year's hobby sales were not super for Marco Rossi. Prior to the start of the season, 2,936 Rossi cards have been sold on the secondary markets per card ladder uh, sales history. Um, that has pretty dramatically accelerated in the last couple of months. The top sale you know, prior to the season was $600 for Black Diamond, Pure Diamond Relics 101. It was the only Rossi sale over $500 U.S. dollars prior to the season start and his young gun prices were pretty low as well. If you go back to the beginning of October, you could get his young guns in the four to $5 range raw. I mean, that's how yeah. he went from a big kind of hyped up player to not as big as like veneers or anything like that, but maybe on that second tier to basically a dollar box young guns yeah. and his young gun PSA tens were selling in the $50 range again, coming into the season as well. So his, uh, Stock had fallen quite a bit. So now two months later, almost 800 Rossi cards have sold in the first two months of the season. To go from 3,000 lifetime to the start of the season to 800 in the span of 60 days, that's not bad. There's a couple more sales over 500. And his young guns rise up to about $12. So it's tripled in value since the start of the season. And his PSA tends up to about $85 US. And the thing about it is I don't, think it's a fluke either i think and i'm curious to see if you agree because this is the team of course we watch the most but i think who he is this year is more indicative of it kind of matches his pedigree and all the stuff that he went through sort of makes sense too and i i just think that as long as he can maintain his confidence that uh, you know he can be a very productive top six center yeah the more i watch him and how well he's playing it does look like that year out of hockey kind of hurt him a lot well a lot more than i think the wild thought it would actually when they brought him up and they, i mean they let him go 19 games and then they're finally like yeah we gotta we gotta change this up so i think now he's showing the player that he can be i obviously i hope it continues i think he's looked fantastic just gotta keep putting points on the board that being said too i don't think he has austin matthews no. so it's no, not gonna not. be that type of top five NHL player, of course, but yeah, I I think productive top three or four player in a team is definitely a spot that he can, that he can achieve in Mm -hmm. in the near future. So I don't know, Troy, did I Homer out or was, was Rossi one of the bigger surprises for you? Oh, he's definitely one of my biggest surprises of the year. I was expecting him to come in the season and not do that much because of what he did last year, but he's been, Mm -hmm. he's been a bright spot on a, Dismal team at times. Number two in rookie scoring. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. The next guy we're going to talk about is 
part of the vaunted Hughes brothers, right? I've kind of, it seems like the theme of the hobby so far this season is the year of the Hughes bros. It is. We saw a huge hobby surge for brother Jack, of course, at the beginning of the year, he went on a tear and then he got hurt and that kind of slowed down his momentum a little bit. There's also been hype for a number of months regarding Luke as a top series one young guns chase since he signed and played at the end of last season with the devils after the Michigan season ended much like the Gophers did to Quinnipiac in the NCAA tournament last year. But who would have thunk Troy that it would be Quinn eldest Hughes brother all the way in Vancouver, deep buried in the Pacific time zone where it's hard to even see a guy play that he Mm -hmm. might be the best Hughes bro this season and could be the big breakout star between all three. Yep. Kind of coming in the year was like the, the other guy, right? And now might be the guy, yep. actually. Through 29 games played, the Nux captain has nine goals, 30 assists for 39 points. 39 points in 29 games played. Troy's pacing for 25 goals, 85 assists for 110 points on the season. Now, if you remember, Eric Carlson had the first 100-point season by a defenseman in 30 years last year when he had 25 goals and 101 points. And right now, Hughes is pacing ahead of that. Wow. If he did get to 110 points, it would be good for 10th all-time in points in a season by a defenseman. If you ever have time, it's kind of crazy to go look at the best seasons ever by an NHL defenseman. The top 10, it just alternates between Bobby Orr and Paul Coffey. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Really, I mean, I think yeah, the I, two I of can... them are every spot in the top 10. Yep. This is kind of in- funny. I mean, we've talked before about Hughes... Quinn and not be much of a goal scorer. His nine goals after 29 games is already a career high try. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Which has been the hobby knock on him, yep. of course, is not much of a goal scorer. Yep. His career on points was last season when he finished with 76. So again, pacing to what 110 or something like that. Yep. It's a big uh, improvement from 76. Long way to go this season, but of course, he's off to an amazing start. And the hobby has definitely noticed too. If you just look at his young gun PSA 10, which is from 2019, pop of 1,979. Big pop. 64% gem rate. Last over 221 US on December 12th. I think that's notable. And I don't know how much we've addressed this to this point, but when your young guns gets over 200 bucks, you're a star. Yeah. Uh, And I'm not talking about like the first three young guns that are PSA 10s that pop, but for an established guy like him. So it's 221. Now, if you would have bought this on October 8th, it would have cost you 111 bucks. So it's up 94% in the past three months. Wow. And it's actually come down. I mean, it had peaked at 301 at the end of November, but still quite up, uh, up quite a bit. Since the start of the season, 1,608 Quinn Hughes cards have sold on the secondary markets, which again is two months. In the first two months of last season, Troy, 562 Quinn Hughes cards <laughs> sold. Wow. So triple the sales yep. this year to last year. Uh, Quinny's cards. Um, so if you look at like bigger sales in the past three and a half years, only 133 Quinny's cards have sold for more than 500 US. So about a third of these sales are in the past two months. And, and I think as far as hobby runs go on a defenseman, this has been a pretty big one, Troy, for Quinn Hughes. Yeah. We don't really see this type. Well, I guess Mo Sider right away and then the whole McCarr thing. But Quinn Hughes kind of, again, I mean, he's always been a good player. So it's not yep. a surprise that he's good, but. Just the fact that he's kind of gained real hobby momentum, yep. he is a big surprise. What do you think? 
Well, it's definitely, he's going to be one of the guys like what was last year was like Tage Thompson and Jason Robertson. He's kind of, is he the first guy this year that we're going to put in that realm where he just kind of blew up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then we saw like the, oh, Robertson and Thompson kind of fell off a little bit last year. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to do to maintain that. And then I think the other thing that's interesting about Quinn Hughes is that as awesome as Eric Carlson was last year, nobody really, the hobby didn't seem to care. It didn't have really any material effect on his hobby chase, but we are seeing that effect right now for, for Quinn. Okay. The last big surprise and a guy we kind of dogged. I mean, we haven't dogged recently, but I dogged him in the past. We were pretty harsh on him. Yep. Very easy to have written off Quentin Byfield after last year. And I'm sure many, probably including us in the hobby had, so he's played in parts of four seasons now in the NHL and up until the start of this season has been a disappointment. I mean, I think that's the only way to put it. He was the second overall pick in the 2020 NHL entry draft. Big dude, 6'5", yep. 220 pounds from Canada. Ton of hype after he's drafted. Huge yep. expectations, which is not a shock when you're the number two overall pick, of course. But like Marco Rossi, he's a guy who... I think looking back now, you can legitimately say that COVID kind of screwed up yep. the development of a lot of these guys. Cause and I, I don't even know or remember all the particulars at this point, but I think a, a bumpy road is probably one of the nicest ways to put it. It just wasn't this typical sort of transition from amateur hockey into, into pro hockey. Uh, and he's kind of stunk, you know, <laughs> and since, being drafted, he's largely split time between the Ontario Reign of the AHL and the Kings. So, Troy, did you know that the Ontario Reign are based out of Ontario, California, and not Ontario, Canada? It's a little fun I will fact. Never forget that. I will yeah. always remember that. Sometimes we make mistakes, and <laughs> it's very easy just to shrug them off because you're like, "No, oh, how am I supposed to know how to pronounce that? That that one hurt. That one hurt. <laughs> I'm not cut deep. Like, oh man." You know, just when you think that, you know, I don't know, that you're you're onto something, life has a, <laughs> a way of humbling you pretty quick. So in 2021-22 with the Kings, he had five goals, five assists for 10 points in 40 games played. Not great. Last season, he played 52 games with the Kings and only produced three goals and 19 assists for 22 points. I don't think it was the the assists weren't the issue. It was the this guy's supposed to be a goal scorer and yeah. have three goals in 52 games was pretty disappointing and it was nowhere near the 0.56 goals per game and 1.31 points per game he had averaged in juniors before being drafted but this season tries there's indications that things are starting to click for quentin and he's turning the corner still is 21 years old i mean he's really young too i think when he started his pro career so just a pup but through la's first 25 games played he's got eight goals 13 assists for 21 points we're starting to see articles too. Like I was looking at headlines, you know, just to kind of get a sense of what everyone's talking about him. And you, the themes are like, he's proving doubters wrong that LA is being rewarded for their patience <laughs> yeah. in developing Byfield that he's arrived. Right. And kind of actualizing his potential. Yeah. So when his young guns came out in 2021, 22 series two, he was a pretty big chase. If you yep. remember. Yep. For sure. At one point, even prior to last season, Think about this, like late September last year, coming in the season, still a lot of hype. His raw young guns was over $100. In early October this year, Troy, you could have gotten in the 4 to $5 range. Wow. 
Dude, that's brutal. Now yep. it's back up like $15, $17. So again, kind of tripled. And then looking at his 2021 Young Guns PSA 10 pop 1,432 that has a 67% gem rate. That last sold for 75 US on December 11th. And it was selling about $60 to start of the season. Right. It's up about 25%. I don't think the hobby's gone nuts on him yet. I think he's one nope. of the guys that I don't think you can say that you're not surprised. But it's more, I think the hobby's collectively taking more of like a wait and see approach yep. on him to see if this continues or if he ends up falling off. But those are our top three surprises so far. The season would be Marco Rossi, second in points, Quinn Hughes breaking out as a defenseman, and then Quinn Byfield coming back from hobby obscurity back into relevancy. <laughs> yeah, he's coming so, back. I hope he does. Anyone man. else that you that you think that you would have maybe added as a candidate? Oh, I'm sure there's tons. I just knocked out my head. Well, now it's time to get to disappointments, Troy. Let's do it. You think of our dad's made a list of disappointments that we'd be on it? <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Get to listen to that. <laughs> it's hard not to start with Trevor Zegers. Yeah. Now, whether it's been injury, poor attitude, effort, or just poor play, has not been a good start to the season for Zegers, of course. It's kind of been brutal, especially because he's been such a huge hobby chase, right? Quentin Byfield was more hypey, but yeah. just like legitimate people spending lots of money on Trevor Zegers cards. And I feel bad for those people. Yeah. Because... Maybe buzzkill is probably the kindest way to put it, but I would be really depressed right now if I had spent a, a ton of money yeah. on, on Zegers cards. And in saying that too, I want to just mention for a second that there's a certain element to the hobby. I'm not saying it's everybody or even a large percentage, but there are people that like to dance on the graves of collectors whose players are struggling like Zegers. And maybe as sort of a caveat to this whole or a way of explanation of this whole segment that's not us at all like we want everyone we're not excited or happy that people have lost a lot of money but it's you you can't say it hasn't been a major disappointment for zegris and some of other these guys that we're going to talk about uh because we want everyone to win in the hobby right that's that's just most fun so he's only zegris troy has only played 12 games so far has in a goal and assist basically sitting on a slavkovsky this yep. season a uh, spoiler, Latroy, your guy, Uranj. Uh, we didn't pick him for biggest biggest disappointments because I wasn't sure people had really high expectations to begin with, right? It's like part of I think of being a, to be a disappointment, you have to have expectations first. And I don't know, maybe I'm just sour on the guy, but I wasn't expecting much out of Slavkovsky coming into the year, so I think it's more par for the course. Yeah, getting back to Zegerso. So we've chronicled again the story a bunch already from going from the cover of NHL leading the Ducks in scoring last season to then this summer where it appears the wheels completely fell off for him. All of a sudden, the Ducks apparently don't think he's any good. They didn't want to pay him. They didn't think he's a star. Say so he's totally one-dimensional. And Zegras ends up holding out for most of camp. Ultimately signed a pretty low deal, I thought. Then joined the team right at the end of the camp. And of course, had a terrible start to the year and is now hurt. <laughs> Plus, Troy, I know this is very important to you. According to all the hot gossip sites, he cheated on your favorite TikTok star, Dixie D'Amelio. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that whole relationship went kaputs to us. So he's lost his girl, hurt. He can't score goals. His pet's heads are falling off. Everything's going wrong for Trevor Zegers. Did I miss anything? 
Anything going wrong for him? I don't even know about half that stuff or the the TikTok oh, rumor. Like, You've been texting me gossip. for weeks about <laughs> such a gossip. Oh yeah. Well, he's missed now 14 games with the lower body injury, uh, but did, did just return to practice in the last few days. So maybe that's good news. And maybe just maybe the silver lining of that injury could be it gave him time for a mental reset. Do you think that's a thing? Like if you're to start off just terrible to get a little time off the ice and. Oh yeah. I mean, you can always have a mental reset, but it has to translate on the ice and you have to, let's just say that the whole ducks thing and with Zegers and him with his relationship with upper management, they're not good friends. We'll just say. And he better get his act together. Maybe he doesn't care because I can't believe they're going to sit there forever and let him continue like this. Like he's just been kind of a disaster right now this year. But again, maybe don't overreact. Let's see what happens after the mental reset. I was back from injury, but I got to believe they're still going to be hard on this guy. I mean, this is bad. This is like Ronald Acuna batting like 80. Yeah. After a hundred games or something like that. And in the end of the season, or being hurt most of the time. I don't know. Do you think Zegris, it's going to work for Anaheim, or is this a guy that's going to need a fresh start? I don't know. if it. I I would say if he comes back healthy 100% from this injury and it's still all downhill, then it's got to go somewhere else. Just cut ties. I don't know. Anaheim must not be the spot for him. Go to New York if you want big big lights, big city. Or else go play with Bedard in Chicago and, and run that score up. His confidence has got to be shot after this year, right? Because he's he's a guy that seems to like I don't know. I think on he's swagger. pretty cocky. Yeah, he's pretty cocky though. I think yeah. those guys, if no one believes in you except yourself, some of them just they just are confident all the time. But aren't the most like outwardly confident people, or I, I wouldn't say this is every case, but don't a lot of them have almost insecurity issues? Uh, that's, that's how com- they kind of overcompensate. <laughs> that's for that's that? comedians. That's comedians that have. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. It, Listen, you find examples of every which way. There's people that are confident, they're insecure, there's common people that are just confident in general. But something needs to get figured out when he comes back. Because I just think the whole situation, what to use an analogy, what it's a house of cards and it's about to fall down. I was kind of asking, going to ask you about that. So, do you think that he could be like a 40 goal, 100 point guy, or is he kind of like, Anaheim said the summer in contract negotiations where he's more all show and no go. That's the thing. A complete player. That's the thing. I w- you asked me this question when he was a rookie or even last year. I said, yeah, he's going to be that guy. But then you hear the work ethic and that stuff starts coming out. And boy, that's always concerning. I, if you don't work hard, there's only, there's only so far you can get on skill. I'm sorry, but you're not going to score 50 goals just by coasting. So if he doesn't have the work ethic, then nope, he'll never get there. Well, Zegers is a 2021 Young Guns PSA 10 pop 1,097, which seems a little low at first given the chase, but only a 30% gem rate. So it means a lot of cards have been submitted, just not as many have been gemmed. Last sold for 71 US dollars wow. on December 12th. God, don't you remember when his like raw Young Guns was like 120 yep. or something like yep. that? At the start of the season, Troy, this card was selling for about 170 US. So it's down about 58% in two months. And I'll go back to it's almost more troubling to me is the ton of higher end Zegers sales. To date, 294 Zegers cards have sold for more than 500 US, 63 cards for more than 1,000, and three cards for more than 5,000. Yeah. You spent five grand or more on a Zegers card at this point. Yikes. 
but he's still he's just 22 he's got tons of talents he's got some girl problems too it sounds like i guess <laughs> but i'm sure those will all get sorted out and uh, hopefully it turns around soon because i you know he's the type of player that i think can make kids a fan of hockey better if he's got you know whipping it up scoring a lot of goals scoring michigan goals all the yeah. other crazy stuff he does so that's our first biggest disappointment trevor zegers next guy try maddie Beniers. so is there a calder curse now is, is that what we're calling it maybe the uh, reigning calder trophy winner maddie Beniers, seems to be in the midst of a sophomore slump through 30 games played troy has four goals nine assists for 13 points putting him on a season's pace of 11 goals and 36 points which is not great Beniers led all college called their eligible rookies last season with 24 goals. Remember, Andre Kuzmenko had more, but he was too old because yep. of Makarov, right? Yep. The Makarov rule we talked about yep. last show. Now, I don't know if this explains why his goals are down so much, but last year he his shooting percentage was a healthy 16.2%. This year, 7.4%. And then, too, I was looking at just kind of stats that – trying to give an overall feel of, well, is he playing well despite the goals or just not playing well in general? And I got back on the athletic to that net rating stat. His current yeah. net rating, Troy, is minus five. So net rating combines offensive rating and defensive rating. Yeah, Offensive rating is a weighted combination of goals, primary assists, secondary assists, individual expected goals, face-offs, penalties drawn, expected goals for impact of five on five, power play goal impact, and usage. And then defensive rating is a weighted combination of block shots, face-offs, penalties taken, expected goals against impact at 5-on-5, five five, goals against impact at 5-on-5, five five, penalty kill impact and usage. So it's basically the total impact you're having on the game. Yeah. And again, he's negative 5. As a point of context, McDavid's net rating is plus 24. Yeah, it sounds like this net rating, I, I need to read into it more, but it might be taking over. Game score was their big one before. I wonder if net rating is kind of their new one. Because it obviously, you, I I'm curious how they do all the weights and stuff, but it's it's interesting. It's it's again trying to find that all that one number like WAR in baseball, W A R. Trying to find that one number. And I don't. Did you read McDavid's? Or did, did I interrupt you before then? Yeah, it's twenty four. Yeah, twenty four. Okay. So Beniers is worse this year than last year, and so are the Kraken. That's not great for the hobby, of course, since Matty Beniers has been really trumpeted yeah. as the marquee guy in the 2022-23 hobby class. That being said, though, I've been pretty vocal about my opinion that the yeah. that class is weaker than in than 2021 or this year's class, of course, too. And that happens, right? They're not all yeah. strong. Yep. So Beniers is a 2022-23 Young Guns, PSA 10 pop, 1,150, 32% gem rate, less for 90 US on December 10th. Kind of surprised it's still worth that much. Yeah. yeah. Was selling on average for about 175 at the start of the season, so down 49%, taking a pretty big hit too. And Troy, given too that we're, we're still in the midst of the 2022-23 releases, so this does not help at all. <laughs> yeah. When you're trying to sell product that your main guy has, what, four goals after... 30 games or something like that. You have the Bedard anticipation and war chesting. And then beyond Beniers, you have Slavkovsky, Boldy, all underperforming, just not a good yeah. combination. So makes these 2022 products not real sexy. Okay, so we've looked at so far as disappointments now, Zegers and Beniers. If you had to choose one this year to rebound, you can only pick one, who are you banking on? 
probably Beneers. I would want to say Zegers because I think he's got more skill, but I think that whole thing is just too much. I think Beneers has definitely a better shot. And I've never heard about Beneers not having work ethic or listening to the coaches or fighting with management. So I'm going to go Beneers if I had to pick one. All right, Troy. So our last guy, this could be a little bit of hobby drama. Um, I don't know. It could be some controversy uh, a little bit with this, with this next one. Hate to do it, but I had to put Cole Caulfield on the list. And, you know, last year the kid was on a torrid pace. He got injured in January, as we know, was out for the rest of the year. And, but at the time was pacing at like 45 goals. So he defies all hobby expectations and continues to sell like gangbusters all throughout the spring and summer. And coming into the year, I think he was one of the guys. And plus, we had still going back to like veneers and the releases for 2022, we, we still had kind of this alternating schedule of 2021 product coming out in 2022. And uh, Caulfield has really been, I think, carrying almost the whole hobby from a product release standpoint, Troy, for the last six months, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. He was on, was on fire. Like, we when he never got the, whatever, the uh, off-season slump never happened. <laughs> he defied all odds there, and people were all about Caulfield. They I don't know what his numbers are now for for hobby uh, values, but I'd be very interested to see. But this is this is an interesting pick. I'm, I want to hear more. So through 28 games played, he's got seven goals, 13 assists for 20 points. Okay, that's a season's pace, Troy. Now this is where it gets kind of like, oh man, 21 goals, 59 points. Not awful, but it's not the hobby star that he's been. Kind of that people have been really paying, you know, values wise. Yeah. Now, as a comparison, last season through his first 28 games, he had 16 goals. So he's currently sitting at less than half of that total. Yeah. Uh, seven, seven goals, not good. If he got to that, whatever, 21 goals, 15 points, I'd be a career high in points, <laughs> but not goals even. So that's kind of interesting. He hasn't scored a goal in six games and just three goals in the past 21. Ugh. So Montreal head coach Martin St. Louis was asked about, you know, how to help him, right? And he's encouraging Caulfield to get to the net. Here's a quote that he recently said about Caulfield's slump. He said, like the rest of our group, he's got to get inside. That's it, St. Louis said. To me, you've got to find ways to get on the inside with or without the puck. So as a hockey, what does that mean, like, as a hockey coach? Is that just where? Yeah, take shots from the house, the home plate area, not from outside is what I'm guessing he's trying to get at. And when you're on the inside, guess what happens? Rebounds second shots, third shot opportunities with goalies flying all over the place. I'm guessing that's what he's getting at, being tough and battling them. They call it the home plate area. If you ever look at a hockey rink, if you draw from the face-off dots in the zone down to the bottom of the circles and then to the middle of the net, it's like a home plate. That's kind of where I'm thinking. And Okay, closer you are to the net, higher the shooting percentages. Well, when you look at like his hobby – kind of like what's happened. So right now his young gun PSA 10, uh, I, I didn't write the pop number. I, I should have had it is selling from 175 us. It was about well, 320 to start the, the season. So again, here's another guy. Almost all these guys are, they're down between Zegris and Beniers and Caulfield about the same percentage, right? Where you go from 320 bucks to 175. That's uh pretty tough. Yeah. His, right? uh, his PSA 10 pops 111. 
Yeah, that's got to be wrong card ladder. It's way bigger. Than that. That's a mistake. On that's why I didn't have it because you have to go. Oh, look that's up. why you didn't have it. Yeah, I'm looking. I click on it and, and it like breaks. I don't know what's going on. Individually, now he is also the kind of scorer that could get red hot and maybe right the ship pretty quickly. Um, I don't know. I think amongst the three between Beneers and Caulfield and Zegris, I'm probably most confident about Caulfield. How do you feel? About. Yeah, Caulfield, I I still like him. I've he's one guy that I've watched a while just in college. And again, he's small, that's always gonna be the knock, and he's gonna be injury prone. But he's definitely out of the, the three, he's probably my favorite, and probably the guy I would bank on. And we've kind of alluded to this with each of them separately, but what also hit me in doing this exercise is you look at all three of these guys. Between Zegris, Beniers, and Caulfield. And these are what the three biggest rookies in the last two years, and they're all struggling. Yeah. And that just doesn't help the hobby at all. Right. I mean, you'd think that one of them would be doing well. <laughs> just one of you, please do something. So those are our three most disappointing players so far in 2023 24 between Caulfield, Zegris, and Beniers. If you guys disagree or have other candidates we should have mentioned, be sure to comment or message us. I'd love to hear more about this. Well, we got a lot going on in new product releases. A lot going on. First thing we got to cover, Troy, is the Hobby's Christmas present for us this year. It looks <laughs> like it's the release of 2021-22, the Cup. So it's going to be released on December 20th. It's the granddaddy, of course, of all hockey card releases. Yep. will also be the finale of the 2021-22 Hobby class. So it's typically the last release. For a rookie class, so we'll be done with the Caulfield, Zegris, and Mosider, Lucas Raymond rookies after this release. The checklist is out, so that's a clear indication that December 20th is the date. Now, just as a little bit of overview before we get into some of the interesting check- checklist details, where this is where we're going to touch on Pekka Rene, Troy. Oh, nice. Uh, the cup is a one-pack tin, technically, it's not a box, has six cards. On average, you get one base rookie patch auto, one additional patch auto, could be a rookie, veteran, or legend, one auto card, non-memorabilia. So you get three autos. Of the Three of the six cards are autoed. Two non-autoed inserts, whether it be memorabilia, printing plates, and or redemption cards, and one base card out of 249, which is your favorite. Right? <laughs> hey, I like numbered base cards. Okay, this was driving me insane. Cole Caulfield update. PSA 10 pop. 2,752. I went to the PSA report. None of that broken stuff. There you go. Thank you. So pre-sale pricing right now for the cup on David Adams is at 1100 US. Now, Troy, this is not a math show, of course, but it's 183 US dollars per card. That's a lot. What was last year? 1200? Yeah. So it's 200 bucks. And this is 21, 22. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Don't look, don't look ahead. I'm not, I'm not. Oh, Want to take a guess how many 2021 yeah. hobby boxes right now? Hobby boxes sell for more than a single card of the cup. Ooh, I will go with ooh six. The answer is two. Two the black oh, diamond wow. is currently two sixty a box, and Premier is two ten a box. Wow, yeah, that should know that. That's that's dumb, Troy. The cup is a spendy box of cards, but we all know that, right? Yeah. That's a, uh, and it, it compared to like Immaculate or National Treasures, it's nowhere near as expensive. We oh, time out, Josh. Did you include Leaf Art of the Hockey in that number? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Troy. 
Yeah. I don't even know what it's at right now. It's sad if that's more than premier. <laughs> so, okay, we're, we got to start the checklist with rookies. Yeah. There's a hundred rookies on the checklist. And one yeah. of the big questions and mysteries with the cup before the checklist comes out is rookies are either out of 99 or out of 249. And so yeah. getting that out of 99 states, it's always funny looking back like five years down the road when you have like some like Yahoo who's out of 99 and basically a perennial all-star is out of 249. It's like, oops, pick the wrong guy. Cause typically the better prospect or better player gets the auto 99 treatment. Yeah. So there are six out of 99 rookies. Okay. Cole Caulfield, no surprise. Trevor Zegras, no surprise, uh, even though hasn't been great this year. Quinn Byfield, again, hyped. Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, and then maybe the surprise, but probably not, is Spencer Knight. Yes, Knight had a lot of hype, though, I think, yeah. coming in. And obviously, this set was produced. A long time ago, stuff, and before he went to the AHL and had to enter the pr- player developer, uh, player assistant program, I could yeah. see Spencer Knight getting the ninety nine, but I get why it might seem odd. So I looked at like the the snub list, yeah, right. Who are the ninety nine snubs? And I came up with maybe two: Jeremy Swayman, I, I think, yeah. especially over Spencer Knight, right? He's out of so he's out of two forty nine, and then Mason McTavish is out of uh, 249 as well. I'll say this. I don't know how you can be a Boston fan and not PC Swayman or even Allmark. They are like the best yeah. goalie tandem to watch. And they're, they honestly look like they love each other. I love the whole hug, the celebrations they do after they win. They just look like fun, awesome guys. So base RPAs have parallels. There's a gold foil. It's out of 24 or 12, a red foil tag out of four, a green foil button out of three, and then a black foil shield logo 101. We're not going to go through to like the entire checklist because that would take an <laughs> hour and it would get super boring. It's on Backgate or Cardboard Connection. So if yeah. you want to like get, geek out on it, go to one of those sites. But for our purposes, Troy, Beyond Rookies, I thought we'd highlight some fun facts and some interesting cards. So here we're going to start with fun facts. Which players do you think of the most cup cards? Well, it's Quinton Byfield has the most cup cards with 69, mm. followed by Anton Lindell and Lucas Raymond each have 62. Oh, you're looking ahead. Stop that. I saw you <laughs> do that. I would have never guessed the number. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So I was going to ask you how many individual one-on-one cut cards are in the cup. What would you have guessed, right? How many? I would have been low because I'd have been dumb and not remembered that there's a one-on-one probably produced of almost... Every a lot of the it. cards, right? Almost every card, probably, or not all of them, but my guess would have probably been like 500, and it's way more than that. Yeah, it's a 1,340 one of one cards in the cup. 1,340. Yeah, I, I want to say there's some like 4,800 cards total. So more than 25% are one of one. No, I mean, there's individual cards. That's kind of apples to oranges, right? Oh, because some, some individual cards yeah. are out of two forty nine. Is there really so four thousand cards? I thought there was like forty eight hundred individual cards. Really? So Austin Matthews has the most one on one cup cards. How many does he have, Troy? I did not look at this one. I will say twenty. <laughs> Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, well, I was too far off. That's a lot, though, too, isn't it? I mean, is it kind of like in the grand scheme of things? Seems like it. Okay, so here's some specific players and card highlights. There's an here's a kind of a, a set that's 
I think kind of interesting. All-time alumni gold foil autos. And what I like about this is the inscriptions. Inscribe, baby. Yeah. So you have like Dominic Hashek, who six-time Vesna winner inscribed. Right? Daryl Sittler, 10 points in a game. That's wild. Yeah. Because 10 points in the game, Dade. Uh, you have John Van Beesbrook yep. putting his Vesna season on there. You have Marcel Dion, Art Rossier, Mike Gartner, Hall of Fame, and then uh, Ron Hextall. Try that'd be cool. On nineteen eighty-seven Vesna, Con- and then just Mark Messier, nothing. Apparently. Oh yeah, what's up with that? Why doesn't he put like I have an award named after me that I get to pick? I don't understand why Messier is inscribed. That to me is a big miss. I absolutely, if Messier's was was inscribed, every one of these cards is awesome. I'd want it. I obviously haven't okay. seen them, but just from the auto and the inscription. And listen, there's black foil, one-on-ones of these. Who's going to be the crazy guy that tries to go for all, try to get all the one-on-ones? Because it's not a huge set. So yeah. it's like, in your mind, it's like, well, maybe I could do this. <laughs> if you could have one of them, which one? Like I said, you can have uh, any one of these sticks. Which one are you picking? Well, I'm going to go with goalie. So I would go Hextall because I... He's just like one of my goalie guys when I was growing up. One of the ones I liked as a kid. I would either go the Hashik six-time Vesna winner, or I kind of like the Daryl Sittler. Ten yeah. points, ten points in a game is no joke, man. Sittler would be my player one if I could choose one or choose a player. Hextall goalie Sittler for the player. There's also a day with a cup auto set, and there's a Bobby Orr auto in there. So Bobby Orr autos are back in the cup. Right. Now remember the new national colors insert that we. Featured yes. when we did our design preview yes, that I know you weren't. Yeah. There's a Bobby Orr, one of these out of 10. There's Dominic Koshuk out of 10. Nicholas Lidstrom out of 15. And Troy, Troy. Oh, I didn't see this. Pekka yeah. Rene out of 50. You pooped on this uh, car. I know. And now Pekka Rene, what are you going to do? That That's the conundrum for you. It's out of 52, which means it's not going to be like stupid expensive. Oh, it'll be. Like it'll be on eBay within the first month. They'll be out there. There'll be a couple. Yeah, but if you wait like six weeks, you'll get it really cheap. Yeah. So does this change your mind at all about now? Maybe because it's going to be blue and white. I'm already kind of imagining what it's going to look like. It's got to be the finished colors. Yeah, I'm a sucker. I'll probably get it. There's two nine way booklets that might actually might interest you, Troy. These are out of these are out of nine, so they're going to be fairly limited. Yeah. One of the nine auto booklets is a goalie booklet. So we have Big Cat, Connor Hellebuck, Mark Andre Fleury, Tristan Yari, Officer Bob, Jack Campbell. <sighs> Jack Campbell. Cam Talbot. Well, Cam Talbot is about the same same boat yeah. as uh, Jack Campbell. It started off so good. Well, it ends good. Demko's a beast, man. Maybe. So uh, can you only buy half? Is that an option? <laughs> I please cut this thing in half, please. First half. There's also a USA hockey player themed booklet. Why isn't there a USA goalie themed booklet? That's what I thought this might have been. Well, I saw obviously when I saw Vasilevsky, I'm like, no, but Demko's American. Oh, that's a goalie on there. You got Madonna, John LeClaire, Mike Richter, Brett Hall, Pat LaFontaine, Keith Kachuk, Adam Denmarsh. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I want a U.S. themed goalie booklet. Oh, there it's Richter. I see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, man, Doug Wait and Gary's suitor. Of these booklets, which one would you want? I'd want the goalie one. Really? Yeah, I think I'd be about the USA one. Yeah, U.S. my one's cool, but I just I'm more I'm more of a goalie guy. 
can't remember what set it's in, but there's a Wayne Gretzky, Steve Eiserman dual auto from like when they're on the same all-star team that they played on together. Pretty cool card, right? Looking at the box odds, it's one in 1800 boxes. So you'd have to at $1,100 a piece. Yeah. You don't spend a lot of money. (laughs) Well, that's a, that's a big hit. There's three autographed monumental patch booklets, which are one of ones. There's McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Peter Forsberg. It's pretty cool. Yep. Hey, Trey, you remember those dual ticket booklets that we talked about in our preview? We're trying to figure those out a little bit. Yep, I do. There's five options, right? You can get you can get Brock Besser and Kyle Connor, Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier, Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky, the one pictured, Roman Yossi and Joel Pavelski, and then Dominic Hasek and Patrick Waugh. It's like three are amazing and two are... Yeah, the, the Yossi, Pav- Pav- uh, Pavelski. Pavelski. Pavelski and the Besser Connor kind of yeah good if you're fans of the teams though of the three kind of amazing ones which one would you want the most Hashikwa Lemieux Gretzky or Gretzky <laughs> I would I want to say Hashikwa but to have a Lemieux and Gretzky card together that's mm-hmm. with autos yeah okay <laughs> I'll uh, give up my goalie goalie guy routine and I would go with that one there's 18 players in the limited logos checklist. I can't see it because it's so small on my screen, but anyone, there's a couple of rookies in there like Moe Sider and Zegras. There's a Wayne Gretzky with the Rangers. That's out of 10. They're either out of 50 or out of 10. Mainly, usually the rookie, well, no, I think Lucas Raymond's in there. I don't know anyone else interesting in that. Uh, What interests me is Flurry in the Blackhawks. I'm curious what that looks like. Oh, yeah. That's probably pretty awesome. Yeah, that one might be a cool one to get. Obviously, the Gretzky one is always... Everyone's... Gretzky's always going to be good, but it's a Rangers. Just remember that. But besides that... the goalie, too. I saw that old Kolzig. I love it. I love it. Throw some love to some older guys. There's also an exquisite limited logo set that's a 2003-04 retro design, so I'd be like the LeBron exquisite. Yeah. And kind of standard fare. Kiel Makara would be sweet there. Matt Zuccarello for our wild try. <laughs> that would be sweet, but that's like, okay, how did Zuccarello make this list? Yeah. Lafreniere is having a little bit of a renaissance. Yeah. He could have been a surprise candidate. But yeah. He struggled a little bit last few games. Moving on, the exquisite RPA checklist, which are numbered to the players' jerseys. So remember, the base RPA are out of 99 or 249. Exquisite RPAs are out of the jersey number of the player. Uh, note there, Troy, is each of them has a one-of-one shield parallel, except for Cole Sillinger, Dawson Mercer, Mo Sider, and Seth Jarvis. So those will not yeah. have exquisite one-of-one shields. Now, it might be an update in next year's cup. You never know. But Yeah. There's also some kind of interesting cards in the cup, too. There's artist-proofy cards, there's printing plates, redemptions for uncut sheets. So here's one that I thought was kind of interesting. It's an uncut sheet redemption checklist. So, oh, that's cool. you, <laughs> chemical like a chemical composition or cup trios, exquisite RP, RPA, or is that exquisite RPA? Pack? I think, yeah, it, I don't know why they said it says wrap lamp lighters, uncut sheet. Would you be disappointed or pumped if you pulled the redemption for one of these? I think I'd be pumped. I kind of want to see how you get it. Do they mail you this huge? Does the chemical I would hope very carefully, yeah. Yeah, it's a chemical composition one, weigh 50 pounds, because weren't those like a thicker card? Well, then every time you showed it to someone, you'd have to say, 
It didn't turn out like they wanted <laughs> hey, to. Hey, let me turn this sideways and let me explain to you what the target's supposed <laughs> to look like. Can I get a frame that just shows the side view of yes. these of these cards? So, and then there's a there's a ton of 2020 21 update cards in the cup from yeah. Exquisite and Splendor. I would I would not be jazzed to pull an Splendor update out of a eleven hundred dollar box of the cup. <laughs> yeah, that's that stinks. But okay, Troy. Now we got to get to the what you've been you and everyone else just cares about the Pekka Rene yeah. checklist. So we've already mentioned there's no. national colors out of 50. There's also an exquisite collection endorsement relics auto out of 50. And then remember that other, uh, we should have shown a picture, but remember the basics. It's a kind of, they're really yes. funky with yes. the three concentric circles that are very yep. colorful. There's a Pecorine out of 15. Nice. I did the, uh, I think I have that pivot table saved <laughs> in one of my sheets with all the Pekkas from the cup, the new release. All right, man. So, so of the national colors or the exquisite auto or basics, which one are you most likely to? I want the auto. Whatever's autoed. They're all auto. Oh, they oh well, all of them. Then I guess. Uh, what was the second one? Exquisite auto. Is that what it was? Yeah. Endorsement. Well, I don't know why they keep using endorsement. I don't understand endorsement as a card. Endorsement is like a something you get on a license that allows you to drive like a <laughs> forklift or something like that. <laughs> was well, it a lineage thing? I don't know if that's an older kind of set. So that's the cup again. If you want to totally geek out on the checklist, go to cardboard connection or Beckett. But Troy, that's not the only big product. Yeah. New product release news. Upper deck also released design previews for 2023, 24 SP authentic. Now there's a box cover for you there with Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli. Sometimes I feel like that, and I've noticed this, I, I don't know why it's been sticking out with me, that sometimes, and I don't say they do this intentionally, but Upper Deck kind of does people dirty with their facial expression. <laughs> That's the greatest yeah. facial expression for Bedard. Fantilli's is all right. Do we need to go over this one? Because it's going to cost like $800 a month. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot. Now, what I thought was crazy, usually when Upper Deck does these design previews, they sort of kind of leave the the like they'll do a rookie but it'll be like some guy you've heard of but maybe yeah. a third tier guy well upper deck is leaving nothing to the imagination troy they nope. have their example of the future watch auto is none other than the design for the connor bedard future watch auto so what's your instant gut reaction to this card i think i'm a fan all right, I, actually, that was my re my reaction right there is I don't know. So I'm like, I kind of, I mean, I like the picture and everything. I like the auto space. Little, I don't know what, I mean, I like it's a big picture. So I'm kind of, I'm leaning towards the positive side. There's one part of the card that's driving me crazy. Can you guess What's what it that? is? Oh, the bottom know. right, the circle, the metal, like the oh, polish yeah. steel. Wouldn't that be better like with the Blackhawks logo in it or something I think, like that? I got to believe that's going to go in there. I gotta believe the logo is gonna be there because it's set. It's offsetting this one up here, and this is the SP, and this is this has got to be. I got. I'm. They can't just have a blank circle on there, right? I'm gonna say they it's, forgot it's to put the logo. Like one of those things that you see and then you can't unsee. It's like yeah, my eyes goes like right to it every time. And again, if you are listening on a podcast app, you can go to Cardboard Connection or Beckett and see it for yourself. I also think it's an interesting choice in how they kind of they. 
I don't know what you call it, but they created sort of like a half moon over the bottom half of the player and sort of lightened it for the auto space. Yeah, so that the auto is actually over the image of the card, but still stands out on the card too. Mm-hmm. Do you like them doing it that way? I, I, I don't mind it. It's fine to me. And then you'd have to assume too, because there's a little bit of like highlight color. There's some red at the top border and the bottom border that depending on the team colors that that will probably yeah. change. Too. Yeah. Uh, I would assume. So, I mean, this is a big card. I mean, God, what do you think this thing is going to go for? And, lots and lots of money. So not just our opinions. I did a quick Instagram poll yesterday to see, get people's impressions on it. And I give people three options to say, you know, basically thoughts on the new Bedard future watch auto design. And the options were don't like it, man, it's okay. And love it. 10% didn't like it. 29% love it. 61% yeah. think it's just okay. Yeah, Does that surprise you at all? I'm in the meh. It's okay. No, because that's what I thought. So I guess, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm just average. A couple other design previews that are, I think, interesting to look at is there's also, I predicted the Future Watch Auto patch, which I think is becoming a more and more prominent mm-hmm. RPA. What the heck? I know this is this is not the real patch, but so it's an Adam Fantilli example. What the heck is that? It looks like a like a Santa Fe wigwam. Yeah, I don't know what that or, is. Well, it's blue guy. I mean, I can see the stars and stuff, so it's maybe it's something on their shoulder. Is that it? Oh, it might be from the shoulder. Maybe. I, I don't know. A lot of gold in the yeah. Future Watch Auto patch. These are growing on I'm, me now. Maybe now, this, this is a gold one, parallel. Yeah, this one, maybe I'm not a fan now of this big on this card because it takes up more than half his image. So I don't think I'm a fan on this type of card. With the Bedard, I can live with it because it was the lower, you know, we'll call it third. This is almost like half his whole image. Well, the flops are horizontal, so you don't have as much height to the player image. And then it's still got the metallic circle thing in the lower right corner. Rule of thirds. Another note that I thought was really interesting in the previews, Troy, is that do you remember the Evolve insert from SP Legends Signature Edition? So I do. Upper deck, what's the word for it? They're repurposing it in SP yeah. Authentic, which kind of yeah. makes sense because SP Signature Edition Legends can't come out again. It was a one-time yeah. deal. Uh, I thought this was kind of a cool card. I wonder if there'll be auto versions as well, like there were in Legends, but it's still not like a big insert chase, so I hope this isn't the splashy new thing. I hope that there's something to be unveiled down yeah. the road that uh is in that release but uh everything seems pretty in line with what you'd expect from us yep yep okay it's time for our pwcc weekly hockey preview pwcc is a sponsor of our show we're very grateful for them to their support reminder the current december premiere auction is live runs through the evening of december 21st so be sure to log on to pwccmarketplace.com to check out the six amazing cards in this month's premiere auction this week though Troy is a very big and nice PWCC weekly auction. I think 450 cards or something like that to choose from. Gave us a lot of choices to make our vintage and modern picks to highlight today. Like we always do, we'll start with our favorite vintage cards from this week's auction. So the first one I picked out, just because I thought it was interesting and a great picture. Yeah. 1964 Tops Hockey, Tim Horton, card number 102, tall boy, PSA 8. Top 33 of four graded higher, all PSA 9s. There's no PSA 10s for this card. I'll admit to I'm not the biggest Tallboys collector, so I don't naturally gravitate to them. Mm-hmm. But I did find this card really striking. So the it's 
I don't know like how you call like the photography of it, but it's like the camera was like the cameraman was below Horton. Oh, so he true. kind of has yeah. like that statuesque sort of like bigger, larger than life sort of presence to him in, in the image, which I think is kind of cool. Then I think the colors are amazing. So he's got like a very like deep blue Maple Leafs jersey on, but then has like more like a kind of like a high contrast red light red light red background behind him. I just think the card looks really sharp. Centering's really good too, which is always nice. The edges and corners look very nice. I don't think the corners are perfect, but it also it always amazes me about vintage that again, remember this was a time when people weren't looking at these as like investments. Mm-hmm. That a card like this could have survived almost 60 years in this level of condition and not been bent in half. That's <laughs> Um, I, I just think that's amazing. Uh, even though, too, as a top card, there's a little bit of that rough cut. So yeah. I'm not going to start a top's wire cutting controversy. <laughs> rough cut, not wire cut. Biggest issue that I see on the card is there's kind of a faint black ink line or smudge to the left of Tim's yeah. name. And Tim Horton, that's like the one. I don't think that's on the slab. It kind of looks like it's on the card. A pretty cool card, though, in my opinion. Is this a card you like? I definitely love it, and I love it for the significance of the player, too. Yeah. Not just the restaurant, <laughs> but really good player. I'm a Maple Leafs, right? They're my Canadian yeah, team. You're a Canadian so team. This would be a great collection or great add to my collection. Now, yeah, PSA eight. I mean, it looks really nice. I just if you can, if you can get over that little smudgy mark, but I like that's on the bottom. It's not like going through his face, or it's not in the one of the prominent areas of the card. Well, not only could he make a mean cup of coffee and delectable donut holes, but Tim Horton Troy <laughs> was a very good hockey player, too. Yes, he was. He played 18 seasons with the Maple Leafs, one with the Rangers, one with the Penguins, and two seasons in Buffalo before passing away in a single-person car accident in 1974. Yeah. So he was, I didn't know that. It's kind of not a great story, of course. He's still a player. Yeah. I think he was driving in a sports car back from a game in Buffalo to Toronto, and had been drinking at one point had stopped and his business partner, I think was there and had or somebody that he was friends with had known he was drinking and they tried to convince him not to drive. And he drove anyways and ended up dying mm. uh, pretty sad in that regard. Horton did win four Stanley cup championships was post posthumously posthumously <laughs> posthumously <laughs> elected to the hall of fame in 1977 his number seven is retired by the Leafs, and his number two is retired by Buffalo. How many players have two different numbers retired in the Not NHL? Not a lot. <laughs> it's a really short list. Horton started Tim Hortons with a partner in 1964 while he's still playing for the Leafs, and it quickly expanded. At the time of Tim's death in 1974, there were 40 Tim Horton stores, and his partner bought out the Horton's shares from Tim's widow for a million bucks. Kind of a big mistake. Good investment in, in, in retrospect. Yeah, good investment on him. Bad choice by the Horton estate. Mm-hmm. Last sale in 1964 tops Tim Horton PSA 8 was $850 on May 9th, 2021 by the PWCC Vault. All time high, 2551 from June of 2015. You got a bid, right? 950 US dollars. Yeah, I can see this one going for some. Yeah. All right, you got the next one. I do. All right. If you're watching on YouTube, here's the card. 1924 B is in Victor 145-2 Cecil Babe die. And the babe is what we're gonna put in quotes. PSA 5, 
PSA population one of four, just two graded higher. So I saw this card and it's just like I immediately stopped. And I kind of got out the Bobby Burrell, the fantastic book that I, we were gifted at the expo and kind of started reading. And it's like, yep, I'm going to do this card because I don't think we ever talked about these, this set. So that is cool. And then learning about this player, I, I just go down these rabbit holes and it's so fantastic. Yeah. This might be a while. So sit back, kids. <laughs> we got some we got some stuff to go over. So again, I'm going to get the set, the card, then the player. So here we go. So it's a 1924, we'll call it the William Patterson V145-2 hockey card. And from Bobby Burrell's book, Vintage Hockey Collector, here's kind of the short write-up on this set of cards. So these blank back cards measure 1 and 11 16th inches by 3 inches, sport a greenish-black tone. Set is very similar to the previous V145-1 release the previous year. However, the set count increased from 40 to 60, and the card size was slightly reduced. Now, here's where we get some juicy details. Perhaps this was Patterson's response to complaints from consumers about the previous year's shortage of Burt Corbeau's cards for prize redemption. To compensate for the difference in sales resulting from having no short print, the company may have deliberately lessened the card size and added the additional 20 cards, which, guess what? Required kids to buy more chocolate bars to get this card or these cards. However, with the Boston Bruins and Montreal Maroons entering the NHL this year and with their inclusion in the set may have also been a factor in the increase in set size. So a little juicy scandalous detail. I love it. Patterson so was a chocolate company, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Chocolate or confectionery company. Maybe I think they were chocolate if I remember right. So some additional info I got out a cardboard connection on this set and the card itself. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this. A thin black line divides the photo from the white border area. Below the photo is a card number, along with the player's name, team, and league designation. The backs are blank. So if you're looking on YouTube, I'm showing the back of this card. However, there's a little rare tidbit that I found. If you go to prewarcards.com, they have a write-up on this set too. And almost all the cards that were printed in the set have blank backs. However, if you are known to have a rare overprint for a product called Beaton's Bars, and again, <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, I have it's really blurry, but you can see like what the overprint said. And it's pres- it's presumably a candy bar of some sort. These cards are particularly tough to come by and do not appear often. That could be because that could be because they actually had value as each card was good for one fourth of a cent off a future purchase of Beaton's bars, collecting an entire set entitled the bear to a full box of bars. One so fourth they, of a cent off. How do you do yeah. that? <laughs> so you need 40 of them, I guess, to get them. I don't ask me. This is crazy math. This is old timey math. Things were cheaper back then. They didn't. That was different back then, man. That was different back then. So it's just, it's just, I love reading about this, these old sets, little history lesson. I knew obviously nothing about the 1924 V145-2s. So I hope that just helps give a little background information. So looking at the card itself, it's PSA 5. I'm going to zoom in for our YouTube people. Top to centering, top to bottom centering is a bit off. You can see there's a big white spot off here. And I'm guessing 
you know, even if you use this or down here, it just looks like it's a little bit off. Left to right centering, again, looks just slightly off. Really close, but looks slightly off. There's definite wear around the corners. If you can zoom, I'll zoom in. You can see that all these corners yeah. have signed of fading, some, some wear, some rounding, which is expected from a card from 1924. Edges look really nice on this card. The picture also looks really good. There's obviously spots here and there. And he had then, sick flow. Yeah, he did have sick flow. It's like it's almost like a modern haircut. It's kind of funny. And the card is just actually in really good shape from the picture for its age. And now, Josh, here we go. Info on Cecil Babe Die. I love our names back then were so fun. All right. He's in the Hall of Fame. One-time cup winner. Puck hog. 203 goals, 50 assists for 253 points in 272 games played. Played for the Toronto St. Patrick's slash Maple Leafs, Hamilton Tigers, Chicago Blackhawks, and the New York Americans between 1919 and 1930. Dye was known as an excellent stick handler and goal scorer. He was also known for his excellent shot that had power and accuracy. What do you now, think his flex was on a stick? Guess what? I can tell you it was probably like 500 because we're getting to a fun <laughs> fact. Die scored 12 of his 31 goals from behind the red line during what? his third season with Toronto. Now, again, this is Wikipedia. I went to the source that they linked, and it was it was there. So I'm going to go with it. 12 of 31 goals from behind the red line. Let that sink in. Fun fact. Number- was the rink the same size? I think so. <laughs> I hope so. Here, fun fact number two, top NHL goal scorer in the 1920s. Wow. Number fun fact three, his stick was made of solid hickory. So his flex had to be like 400. (laughs) (laughs) It's just crazy. Probably weighed a bunch. I mean, I'm not a wood expert, but I'm assuming hickory is a pretty thick stock of wood. All right. It's hard wood, that's for sure. Yeah, here we go, Josh. This is a quote from your favorite hockey player or hockey personality, Hooley Smith. On, oh, I love Hooley. <laughs> on dies accuracy. I can't recall a player in my time or sense who could control a shot like Babe. He could thread a needle with the puck, and it came up like a bomb. Only Charlie Conacher, I think is how you say it, or Conacher, who we've talked about before, fired as hard, but he couldn't pick the corner the same. Jeffrey on slap shot probably travels as fast, but the slap was unknown until our other favorite guy, Bunny Cook of the New York Rangers, started fooling around with it. Here's okay, the deal. So we got to no, recap no. this for a second, and then I'll let you. Sorry, but in one paragraph, these are the names because Jeffrey on's is boom boom, too. Boom, so boom. We have yep, Uli, boom, boom. we have Babe, Charlie Conacher, ho hum, we have boom boom, and Bunny. You're right. The names were awesome back then. Guess what? It gets better. Go read this guy's bio. Go to Wikipedia. Go find his bio. There's like four other awesome names from quotes. Like this guy was legit. They he, he must have had a, a rocket of a shot or just and pinpoint accuracy because everyone talked about it. All these quotes on him. And there's really is. There's so much more I could have gotten into with Cecil Babe Die, but I have to stop somewhere else. <laughs> we're gonna go over three hours. So, again, look him up. He's just absolutely fascinating. All right, so back to this card. It's PSA 5. There's only 16 graded copies of this card ever. 
Car does not sell very often, but I did find a PSA 3 that sold this year via eBay and verified in Terapeak for $203.50 US on October 15th of this year. Current bid, Josh, $20, 20 US dollars right now. That seems criminally cheap, man, for a card that's 100 years old. Yeah, it'll, it'll go up, I'm sure. You ever do something like this and then convince yourself you're going to buy that card? My modern card, I've convinced myself I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I know. I, I saw it. <laughs> we, do that. we do have one more vintage, though. It's a 1962 Parkhurst Jacques Plant, number 49, PSA 8, pop 122, with 64 graded higher. There's seven PSA 8.5s, 50 PSA 9s, and there's actually seven PSA 10s. Horizontal card, Troy, with a huge hockey puck that features a picture of yeah. Plant actually inside the puck as well as a Canadian's logo. Now, do you think Jack Campbell could stop a, stop a puck that big? I hope so. Poor Jack. Too soon? Maybe. Too soon. Only other thing on the front of the card is a card number, which is 49 in this case. And the card itself is looks to be in really nice shape. Centering appears to be good left to right, top to bottom. Corners might not be perfect, but they're pretty nice. Um, I don't like professing this, but sometimes I look at these and I'm like, how is this an 8? And I'm not a grader. I have no idea. So I'm probably yeah. missing something. And if you've got an eagle eye, go to pwccmarketplace.com and check it out for yourself. Maybe you can find the flaws that led to the grade being an eight. Registration looks really good and crisp on the card as well. And I don't know, just kind of an interesting hockey card at that, Troy. What are your thoughts? I love this card. I love the, just the stance. Can you imagine a goalie standing like that? That's just insane. But Oh, my gosh. You I just, wreck your back. Like, I know. It's like way bent over. I love the old equipment, really old equipment. Stick looks like it weighs 100 pounds. Oh, I love this car. This is great. The glove looks weird. Looks like an oven mitt. Yeah, basically. You'll often hear of Jacques Plante in, in sort of a Mount Rushmore of goalie conversation, yeah. right? And you can make the argument even that he might be the greatest NHL goalie of all time. True? Oh, for sure you can make the argument. He's originally Troy from Geneva, Switzerland. Probably the first international town we've pronounced correctly in about 12 weeks. <laughs> nice to have a softball there. Yes. His career span, Troy, a remarkable 28 years from 1947 to 1975. He played from the Canadians from 1953 to 1963 and won just six Stanley Cups in that time frame. That's it. Excellent. He'd also played for the Rangers, St. Louis Blues, Maple Leafs, Bruins, and Oilers. Plant finished his career with 200 or 437 wins, 246 losses, and 145 ties. He was a three-time first-team All-Star, won the Hart Trophy as a goalie in 1962, and only won the Vesna seven times. <laughs> He's also an innovator, Troy, for the goalie. He was the first goalie to wear a mask full-time. Yep. And I thought this was interesting. The first goalie to play the puck outside the crease in support of his defenseman. Yeah, you can find some crazy videos of him grabbing a puck and just skating with it and then making passes. <laughs> really? Plant's number one is retired by the Canadians. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1978. And last sale for 1962, Parker's Jacques Plant PSA 8 was $264 US on November 19th. All-time high sales $425 US on May 2020. From May 2021, you got a current bid. 31 US dollars. So that's it for vintage. We had a what? A 1964 tops 
Tim Horton Cowboy PSA 8, a history lesson from Troy, an awesome <laughs> knock out the part. 1924 yeah. Patterson, Cecil Babe Die, PSA 5, and then a 1962 Parky Jack Plant PSA 8. So that brings us to modern. So the first card I picked out is 2020 OPG Platinum Sidney Crosby Retro Golden Treasures 101 PSA 9. I feel like somebody's been sneaking in OPG no. Platinum Golden Treasures what? 101 cards. What's going on? We had a Crosby from a few weeks ago. Then there's a Nathan McKinnon Golden Treasures in last week's auction. Is it you, Troy? Are you like secretly unloading the stash <laughs> 101? So nobody I would ever never, gets? never unload a Sydney unless I was in dire financial need. If I had a Crosby 101, that is staying in my collection. Well, we've been discussing just the total volume of 101s for a while. Now. We just talked about like in the cup, there's yeah. 1,340 individual 101s in this cup release. And so if you're looking at them from like a long-term value and upside perspective, you really have to be discerning now about which ones you pick. And when I think when it comes to non-auto, non-mem 101s, it's really tough to beat Golden Treasures mm-hmm. from OPG Platinum. Yeah. They have some of the highest collector appeal. I went to the check. This is kind of interesting. So I want, it says it's a retro, right? And I'm like, well, what retro design is this? So I went to the checklist on both back in and cardboard connection and neither listed the year for the retro mm. design. So I just, I wonder if like retros are not necessarily throwback from OPG platinum. This would be a good Tony question, but if they're more just like meant to look old. Hmm. That's a good question. Cause I've never known like there to be a retro tribute and to not list the yeah. card that it was yeah. paying tribute to. That being said though, I normally do prefer the retro designs when looking at OPG platinum. So this one stood out to me in that regard too. The card is a simple design in a good way. It's a nice image of Sid with black and gold chromium in the background. Card is bordered, which I kind of like. Somebody mentioned that they like bordered cards, whether it's in Discord or Mailbag or something like that, and kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I think I like bordered cards, too. And then, speaking of Crosby, right? we thought 2023-24 was going to be all about Ovi, and it's been, honestly, more about Sid. 27 games so far. He has 15 goals, 13 assists for 28 points. That's not yep. bad. For a 36-year-old. Yeah, he's kept my fantasy team afloat. So for his career, this is kind of interesting. He's 35 goals away from 600 goals. And he's Which 35 he assists away from 1,000 assists. And he should, he should get... Man, hopefully... Well, that'd be a big year. I hope he gets both of them this year, but I doubt it. Be almost Probably next points. year, but yeah, huge milestones. Yeah. Now, this card is not sold publicly at this point, but the 2019... Retro Crosby Golden Treasure Treasures so the year before sold about a month ago in the PWCC weekly yeah. for seventeen hundred ten US. This is a PSA ten. I think it's a little. This one is nicer than the one, yeah. but they're both really nice. But so I don't. I don't know if it'll go for seventeen hundred dollars. But you got a current bid one hundred fifty five US dollars. All right, you got the next modern one. I do. This is it. This is me. Here's the mini <laughs> version. If everyone would like to see that on YouTube. Let me zoom. Oh, that's amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> All right. This will be my shortest write-up ever because I don't think I really have to go much into this card. I just absolutely – well, let me – it's 2019, Upper Deck Stature, blue, Wayne Gretzky Auto, out of five, card number's 99. I love that. PSA 9, population 101, none graded higher. If it's a pop 101, does that mean – doesn't that – in automatically mean there's non graded higher or are they saying pop, pop one, one non-grade. there's only one psa nine. i'm sure yeah. it only 
<laughs> the only a, one graded by PSA. Oh, we're gonna the, the the yeah. Okay. So as everyone knows, I try to avoid Gretzky cards on this segment because honestly, Josh, you are way better at covering the Gretzky cards and you usually take the big ones, but this is this is time I had to throw out my rule because I am an absolute sucker for this card. It just hits all the feels for me. It's from one of my favorite sets, Stature. It's a retired player slash legend on a newer card, which, like we've said before many times, I'm an absolute sucker for. Plus, the blue parallel is absolutely perfect because it match, it's the color match, matches the jersey, just makes this card look great. And it's a Gretzky Auto, which I don't have, and I've always wanted a Gretzky Auto, so it's right in my alley. I just absolutely love this card. I can't stop gushing about it. Card looks great. The only thing I could really see, I mean, centering looks really good. I mean, maybe a little bit off top of center. There's this mark, if you're watching on YouTube, on the right side. It looks oh, yeah. like some fuzz or maybe some little bit of the border wore away that blue. So that's definitely, I could see why it got a nine. Yeah, auto looks nice. Auto looks clean. I don't see any, like, not no, no pen lifts. I mean, it looks really, really nice. You could tell it's a stature card because it's a... Gets a little shaky here on these autos sometimes. Where they, I, I, I'm guessing that surface we've heard about stature surfaces are a little weird, but again, this car to me just is fantastic. It looks so awesome. I could not find any sales of this card. I did find a red auto version of this card, which is out of ten that sold on March. Sorry, yeah, March first of 2021 for 473 US dollars. So current bid on this card right now is 240 US dollars. Again, I, I like the picture too, because it's like it's not one I see or you see all the time, or just it just to me is such a unique card. And I love stature. And Everything love the- works on the card. Sometimes like, yeah. it's like I put this one in the same camp at that 2019 Crosby golden treasures retro we just referenced a minute yeah, ago where to me this is like a perfect design card yeah it's perfect everything about it is perfect and I, I i see a lot of similarities just in how balanced and everything fits like yeah. nothing is it just you're right this card is should be like put up for an award sports <laughs> card designs yeah it's really, so really i good. i am gonna watch this card we'll see where it goes it might get it probably will get out of my price range but I'm definitely interested in it. So. Like, like, well, what would you pay for this card? I don't know. Like, I was thinking, I, I was thinking it's gonna fall in that like five hundred to a thousand range is where I'm guessing it falls. And well, I, like, would, if somebody offered you like, say, I own this card, and I said I'll sell it to you for seven fifty. Would you? I probably would. Some intrigue and excitement this weekend. Yeah, this one, this one, this would never leave. This stays right. So this is like front and center, <laughs> right in the case. So do you want me to just like crap all over this card on the PWCC weekly? My God, look at this. Look at this. Don't even look at this card. It's so bad. I don't know how I got a nine. It should be a one. <laughs> it was never good anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome card. Track. All right. Tough to follow that one up. But the last card we're going to feature today is the 2015 Upper Deck Buybacks. Andre, Andre Vasilevsky, 2014. Young Guns Gold Ink Auto out of 25 PSA 10. Boy, sometimes like a card name looks like gibberish. Like this card literally <laughs> has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, yeah. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 words in it. Yes. It's like, can we count? 
it's like we we're like fighter pilots or something like that. <laughs> Alpha Romeo Foxtrot. All that being said, pretty cool card for any goalie collector if you're a big cat fan. Not that the regular Young Gun PSA 10 isn't already pretty rare. It's only got a pop of 243. Yeah. But here's a chance to own an autoed version of the Young Guns out of 25. Uh, it's from Upper Deck Buyback Products, so it's an official one. It's not just like an in-person signed auto. PSA 10 too, which is kind of crazy because if I understand how buybacks work, right, the card was originally packed out in the 2014 set and, and somebody opened it and then upper deck did a buyback and sent it back to upper deck and then it would have to been repacked shipped open packed autoed packed um this card has probably traveled more than around the world more than most people ever do in their lifetimes right card itself is in pretty amazing shape then as you'd expect for a psa 10 i really like vazzy's auto too it's kind of interesting it's more like a classic auto one thing about this card though is so zoom in close on the auto real quick it feels like that this is like a paint pen because I feel like the oh yeah it, it was it bled a little bit like not that he did anything but you wouldn't get that sort of how do you call call it? is that bleeding or it's yeah or it almost looks yeah I'm curious like it's running, like a, or... it looks like a calligraphy pen almost at times where yeah, it goes so like really that. narrow to really thick yeah that's interesting would that does that bother you at all or no no it, I mean it doesn't bother me at all I think it still looks cool I think it gives actually a little style to it. And it's not really noticeable until you can really zoom in on yeah. it either. I don't know what it's like in hand, but well, Troy Vezilevsky is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Won the the Conn Smythe in 2021. He's a one-time Vesna winner. Does that surprise you? He's only won the Vesna one time. Yes, because there was, and he's always in the running, or he's always in discussion about the best goalie in the NHL right now, or in the past ten years. I mean. So it's crazy. He's only won at one time. So I, I did surprise me and I looked it up and then I was kind of made more sense when I understood that there's only one active goalie. That's one more than one Vesna trophy. Really? Flurry? Um, uh, no, I'll give you one more guess. Uh, I don't think it's Hellebuck. Damn good. I, I've, I've coded the, I've coded the answer in the, Oh, I don't man. Flurry was my, was my shot. I'm going to kick myself when I hear it. I don't know. Who is it? So here's the code I put in the notes. I did PFOB2SB. I don't even know who that is. I Panthers, Florida, Officer Bob. Won oh, twice. Sergei Bob. Bobrovsky. Yeah. He's, he's won twice, but he's the, the leader of active goal. Like, and I think before him, the only, uh, who was it? Ryan Miller won too, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's been like a different guy every year. Last year's Linus Allmark. Vasilevsky Dre might play his best in series clinching playoff games. He has an NHL record six shutouts in playoff game or clinching playoff games. That's kind of crazy, huh? That is crazy. And just so people don't yell at us, Ryan Miller only won one. The only reason I wanted to look that up because I couldn't stand Ryan Miller. <laughs> and I was like, well, no way he won two. Yeah, I was like, no way he won two. I'll look it up while you talk. Somebody like that. There's only been two. Sales ever of the 2015 Upper Deck Buybacks, 2014 Upper Deck Andrei Vasilevsky Young Guns Gold Inc. Auto out of 25. Last sale on all-time high was 650 U.S. for a raw copy in December 2021. Prior to that, in 2019, someone picked one up for 78 bucks. That's not bad. Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas. Yeah, that's who it was. You got a current bid on this one, Troy? 155 U.S. dollars. I feel like people don't know this auction's going on right now. <laughs> that's what I feel like. You might get your Gretzky, Troy. Let's yeah. hold that hope. 
Well, I have no personal pickups because uh, I've been working on this show. This is <laughs> a, a long a lot one. Of work. Is, yeah. My mouth is very dry. You got any personal pickups? No pickups. Just hopefully next show I'll have the. No, it'd be the two shows. I'll have the Gretzky, but. All right. That's our episode for this Thursday, right? Thursday. Yeah. If you like the episode, please leave a rating review on Apple, Spotify, whatever podcast app you listen to us on. If you love the show, you want to support us, you want to help us and uh, continue to make the show better. Please consider a $5 a month donation. Join out of one ninety nine support level tier on Patreon. The sh- link is in the show description within our uh, YouTube or within the podcast app is in our Instagram profile in our TikTok uh, profile as well. Jeez, I had a brain fart there. Um, <laughs> you can go to our website, hockeycarsgongshow.com, click on the Become a Patron link, or go directly to the Patreon website, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search for Hockey Cards Gong Show. Again, it's $5 a month. Uh, greatly appreciated. We are on social media. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. And Troy, the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast, is a production of Dollar Box Ventures, LLC. Have an awesome weekend. Get all your Christmas shopping done. And we'll talk to you on Monday.